Here we go. BDFM. Welcome to BDFM. I'm D. And I'm B. This is a podcast where we discuss um, deep shit while watching TV. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that That's work? a great way to describe it. I'd say is we that, watch TV and we... Is that a bumper sticker? Um, each of us is going to choose a memorable or formative episode of some uh, sitcom or animated series or even, I, I don't know, situational drama or whatever. Anything that we remember liking and uh, we're going to watch it together and uh, we'll do a watch along uh, for each one on our Patreon where you can actually watch the TV show with us and mm-hmm, that's hear bonus all content. of it. You can put us in your little earbuds. The relevant things that we're going to be saying while you're doing your dishes. Well worth the extra knowledge that will be crammed into your head. We want you to be, number one, doing your dishes. Number two, watching a TV show. Number three, listening to us. And if this this idea soothes you, then you're probably in our demographic. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Get shit done. We all have ADHD now. (laughs) That's just how human... Evolution is going. We're going to watch the TV shows, and then we'll get into science, philosophy, anthropology, mm-hmm. religion. Uh, we talk about sexuality. We usually talk about gender. Uh, t- w- I'll give you 10 tips on how to uh, get that extra inch of cock. So and keep listening hint, for that. It has to do with carrots. Carrots? <laughs> carrots and uh, dustbusters. Let's um, tip off the episodes that we want to watch today, and then we'll go watch them and come back. Okay. Um, sometimes we discuss, you know, uh, you know, not to go too behind the scenes. Sometimes we talk about this the day before, but I have no idea what episode you're bringing to the table this week. Yeah. And, and you don't know mine. I don't think so. No. Who, if who it's the first? exact same episode, uh, then we win a pot of gold. Yeah. Actually, there should be. We'll we'll figure out what happens if we one time, you know, choose the same like, show or and, even and you the same win episode. a shorter episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably it's the audience. That's that what wins. happens. We'll just watch one thing. Okay, well, right. I uh, tell me, I am bringing to the table an episode of the show Thirty Rock. Awesome. The episode is from season five. It is the sixteenth episode of season five, and it's called TGS Hates Women. Oh, sweet! S five E sixteen. Yes, probably my favorite um, episode of Thirty Rock. Is that the one when Kristen Milioti is the guest? Yes. Uh, is that her name? Chris- one of the Kristen? major reasons I'm bringing it on. The She's in- great. The incomparable uh, mother from who- How I Met Your Mother. Okay, cool. And then, so we will see how that uh, folds into my episode, which has been on my list since we started. And I know I've probably made you watch this uh, a few months after we started dating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the episode of the IT crowd. Oh. Or the IT crowd. The IT crowd. One of the most underrated. I mean, it's pretty highly rated. It's 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 a fairly rated, uh, <laughs> amazing British sitcom from the... Uh, aughts. God, what year was this? Oh, it was from 2006 to 2013. Yeah, so wow. in the middle of the aughts, end of the aughts. Um, this episode is season four, episode five, Bad Boys, mm. which features, um, I, I believe it features uh, Richard Ayoade, uh, uh, America's sweetheart, uh, British actor, Richard Ayoade. As as like a scared straight thing because he got arrested. Oh uh, my god! Okay. That's sort of the bookend of the thing, <laughs> and then you learn how he got arrested. Uh, it's so great. Okay. Okay. So I do we're remember gonna... it vaguely, and I'm excited. Yeah, 
haven't watched in a while. Okay. okay. These are two, two great We're gonna episodes. We're going to go watch an episode of 30 Rock and an episode of IT Crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe make another drink and smoke a joint, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Space Captain Pinball. Go to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and search for Space Captain Pinball to download the free game where you pinball around space like an idiot while collecting the elements of the universe. You know, pinball, but in space. Check it out at garage.tv slash SCP. That's G-R-A-G-E dot TV slash SCP. Pew, pew, pew. Thank you. And we're back. It's BDFM. I'm D. I'm B again. We've been watching TV. We watched uh, some uh, some TV just now. TV standing for two. We watched an episode of The IT Crowd, uh, season four, episode five, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. And an episode of 30 Rock from season five, episode 16, it is called TGS Hates Women. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I'll give a little summary of what we watched. You can watch along with us if you go to the Patreon and give us a couple bucks. Um, but you don't have to do that. We watched the IT crowd, Bad Boys. It opens with Maurice Moss. Played by Richard Iowati. Iconic hair, iconic voice. Played by he's an icon, he's a legend. America's so. treasure, British actor Richard Iowati. Travel man himself, gadget Travel man, man himself. Um, Beautiful man. Great guy. Really funny. And everything he does. And also Chris O'Dowd and Matt Berry and a bunch of other like talented actors are in this show. Yeah, but this show, Iowati IT Crowd has steals all the, Br- the best British actors of the late aughts. And this episode is from June, no, July 2010. Wow. Um, what a time, what a time. Just before 9-11. Can I ask where you were? Oh, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> Um, that didn't happen. I forgot you well, were of the conspiracy place, theory that 9-11 never happened. I think I lived in this apartment in 2010. Yeah. Um, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, Not so long my ago. cat, who's six now, was negative six. <laughs> Aw, how nice for her. <laughs> she was in the ether. What were you doing your in head. 2010? In 2010, I still lived in uh, my college town, the town and I went to college in. all your kids were negative. In. And my negative kids were negative aged. three and negative two. wasn't too far away. Two, and, and sorry, negative six. Th- negative three, actually, and negative six, right? Four. I don't know. I can't do math, but um, <laughs> my kids are, t- I don't know, 29 and 37. I can't. I'm not good at math. <laughs> um, uh, 2010 was the time I was, you were yeah, living I, was I was living County? in Humboldt County, uh, far north. I was working in a sex shop and... Uh, Attending bars frequently, and I had just graduated college. So, sex dungeon. I was not working in a sex dungeon. I was working in a sex shop. Oh. I had been to sex. There's nothing there. There was nothing like wrong. a. <laughs> no, I keep like, telling you. It was like a place where you sell dildos and harnesses and. Yes, I sold things. I was a sex retail worker, and I, uh, uh, my business card said sex educator, which was helpful for me if I wanted to flirt with someone. What would you do? That's like an F- FBI federal breast inspector card. Like, <laughs> I'm a I'm a sex instructor, baby. Exactly. So yeah, 2010 was a time uh, Obama was in the White House, and 
and all was well with the world. Not at all. Uh, there was so much political unrest. <laughs> like it was actually, you know, literally flashback uh, ten it was, years. And it, w- it was fairly. It was calm. a different kind. Of it was fairly calm. Relatively calm. Relatively I guess, calm. Perhaps we, now we didn't know how up. good we had it. We it was, it we was the did. height. It might have been the height of American civilization. Actually, <laughs> 20, 2012 was the apex, and then. Uh, oh God, that's what that meant. <laughs> so anyway, your episode was also f- from about this it's era. From twenty eleven, yeah. But um, okay. Pretty similar. Here's a summary of IT, IT crowd. It starts with uh, Richard Ayoade in a uh, scared straight sort of parody, where he's in prison, jail, I guess, really, and he's uh, uncharacteristically because he. Generally, it just looks like a standard nerd is how they call him. He's always wearing a tie. Um, he's always got his, big his hair is parted on the side. But this time, he's got like a do rag around his head and um, and uh, probably still has his glasses on. <laughs> but um, and he's, he's got acting a big baggy like, shirt. Like when I tell you this story, you'll be scared straight. Mm-hmm. And he tells the story of one day. Um, how he got in trouble with the law. Best buddies. Morris and uh, Morris Maurice Moss and uh, Chris O'Dowd's character, uh, the great Roy. Chris O'Dowd, Roy Maurice and Roy, go to lunch together. They decide to have lunch in the park, and they go to the park and they say, "Let's have a nice lunch." And let's have a nice lunch in the park, and then you cut to them like playing video games with a rig that weighs like several hundred pounds <laughs> with all of these accoutrements and monitors and stuff <laughs> in the park. Um, because they're nerds. And then when they try to come back, the police are blocking off the street. So they're like, Roy says, oh, well, let's just, let's just bunk off, which in British means, uh, let's just. I guess we'd call it playing hooky. Play hooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Let's just play hooky because there's a police line and fuck it. Mm-hmm. And Maurice is all like upset and he's like, he's worried what's going to happen. He's going to get in um, trouble. Meanwhile, there's supposed to be this party for some guy named Ben Jenderson on <laughs> on the fifth floor or something they're supposed to go to. So they're like, who cares? We don't want to go to the party. We don't know who, who this guy is. But little do they know it's not a party, little but an elaborate know, the ruse. The party for Ben Jenderson was an elaborate ruse, and it was actually a party for them, the IT guys. And then we find out later that it was an, a double ruse, and it was actually about Ben Jenderson being promoted to hiring and firing manager, and now he's on a rampage and wants to fire anyone who's... Brilliant, honestly. Um, and so anyway, in the meantime, Roy and Maurice bunk off, and they go to the mall, and they go, they ride the bus around, and they they glare at strangers. <laughs> and they're like the, the nerdiest guys, but also um, just kind of cute, just kind of <laughs> cute playing hooky. And okay, but then... Then Maurice goes too far. He gets a taste of uh, mm-hmm. being a rebel, and he steals three DVDs from the <laughs> series. Building Spaces? Grand, grand Designs. Grand Design. Yeah. Building Spaces. Grand Designs. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, what, It's PBS one of those, TV yeah, shows? sort of like, um, yeah, it's a British about show about, uh, about designing houses. Yeah. And they make a run for it. They think the cops are at. They think the security of the mall is after him, so they they <laughs> run. They try to run up the wrong side of the escalator, and then they get tired. And they do it over and over. over they and Sisyphus over. <laughs> up the elevator, the escalator, they and they never make it to the top. And then um, 
They ride it all the way to the bottom, and the security guard lets him go because he doesn't know they've stolen anything yet. Mm-hmm. Then on the way back, the police line has has blown down in the wind, so they walk <laughs> past it, and they walk right up to a bomb on the street, Which and there's a bomb. There's a bomb disposal robot, and they're so excited. Moss is so excited to see the robot. He's doesn't even. <laughs> he thinks he he treats it like a dog and asks if they can keep it if see it doesn't the belong line to of anyone. People. He doesn't see the line of people a block away looking at them like terrified that the bomb's going to go off. Mm-hmm. There's also a side bet between Jen and Roy mm-hmm. that he doesn't say his famous catchphrase. Have you tried turning it off and on again? And so this is the ultimate heightening heightening of. He has to, he loses the bet because he has to say, "Have you tried turning it off and on again?" To the guy who's the, doing the the, uh, the computer the robot because it might kill them. There's the awesome line, uh, "What operating system is it?" And the guy says, "Vista." And Moss goes, "We're all going to die." <laughs> um, oh, Vista. Anyway, super fun, funny episode, and. Uh, it just kind of reminded me of, of sort of the new economy, like the great resignation that sort of people have talked about now and people mm. quitting their jobs, people getting different jobs, mm-hmm. sort of quiet quitting the, and the quiet quitting the new economies of, you know, freelance mm. work and the maker economies. And I kind of want to get into that kind of stuff and mm. uh, what you think the future of work is. Ooh, very interesting. Um, so you tell me about the 30 Rock episode and why you picked that. Yeah, I chose TGS Hates Women. First of all, because, uh, well, it's season five, episode 16, and aired in February of 2011. I chose it um, partially because it's probably my favorite 30 Rock episode. 30 Rock has decayed pretty quickly. It's not <laughs> doesn't necessarily hold up in all ways. There's a lot of really specific social uh <laughs> Yeah, there's Justice, a lot of jokes uh, uh, of the time. Like, yeah, lampooning, that's that's a little bit uh, difficult to just purely laugh at anymore. There um, were, you know, when it started, there were some great Bush administration jokes and the sinking ship kind of thing because yeah. it was the end of the Bush administration. Yes. And then there was a lot of Obama jokes um, and, and Hillary jokes throughout yeah. the next few years. This is true. So this is probably my favorite episode because... Um, I think uh, Tina Fey is always at her best when she is doing uh, when she's playing a villain. Um, I think when she's mm-hmm. when she's saying, "I am flawed," and and I'm gonna let myself fuck up, and 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 uh, when she doesn't let herself be saved and and have it be like a cute thing where then she's like she gets kind of gets what she wants, but rather she ends up in a in a very low place at the end of the episode. That's always when she's funniest, I think. Um, and yeah, she portrays herself as flawed. Even though it's it's complex because the intention of her character is true and right or, you know, well intentioned sure, in, yeah. at least. At the very so this least. episode is all about Liz having Liz Lemon having good intentions to try to mentor a young uh, a young woman comedian by bringing her on staff um, at uh, TGS, which uh, because she wants to prove that women support women. Yes, in the, that she's not threatened by this this comedian's overt sexuality and hotness, um, and the fact that she like makes her sexuality a central part of her comedy, which Liz is like not you know is against in a in in her uh, sort of feminist lip service, um, but she's trying to make a stand. She's trying to make a point. She's also just kind of uncomfortable with sex sex in general, and that's yes. kind of a running plot. Definitely. So uh, she she hires this this 
writer uh, who who quickly uh, challenges her to uh, to try to not freak out at how uncomfortable she's made because well, she's being so overtly. <laughs> I mean, it's just over the top, baby. It's talk outrageous. And sexual yes. sexuality. It's like turning up what guys think of you know yes of women in the office you know being a temp tour and turning it up to 11 exactly and if and indeed it's not genuine right it is an act which is which it is sort of what is not which yet. is sort of what liz so right. suspects and is and is upset about in general she's like women only act this way for the male gaze and this is you know she, she's she's trying to mentor uh this young woman and say you don't have to act like this but then she's she's challenged back by abby uh saying you're actually judging me based on how i act and how i look and how i dress and that's not supporting women and you're you're a dick liz eventually comes back at her by discovering her true identity which is uh, a comedian called abby grossman um and uh, who's not like kind of an alt hip yes like sort of a sort of a you know old comic 2010s janine type of vibe. Garofalo type. liz exposes that she has changed her whole look and her identity uh and Abby reveals that, yes, she did change her identity and it was to get away from an abusive partner that she once had who is now going to come and kill her because he has had a series of being, <laughs> he's had a series of, of, of times where he's been hit by lightning while watching movies that <laughs> <laughs> like Seven and uh, Sleeping with the Enemy is the first one. Oh, oh really? I missed yeah. that joke. He was struck by lightning, he was struck while, by watching lightning while watching Sleeping, sleeping with, the with the Enemy. Julia Roberts, seven. Sleeping with the Enemy, I think, right? I think so. Mm. Um, I don't remember who the enemy was. In that movie, but Julia. Uh, she has to, um, yeah, yeah, steal a boat and mm-hmm. pretend she's dead. And but uh, but even this is a little bit of like you know, and we'll get into this. But it, even that note is a little bit like Tina Fey's conception well, of domestic violence has to be of a sensationalized movie like <laughs> Sleeping with the Enemy yeah. versus like it being a little but more it's, mundane. It's a, it's a silly thing. It's very like very. It's up to eleven. There's no. I mean, it's it's a farce. There's no. It, there's no like um, asking it to answer for. The evils of the world. It's yeah. pure comedy. Um, but the B but story... But it's challenging to give... I mean, Liz is kind of right in that women tr- shouldn't have to make themselves into these sexual portraits of ridiculous two-dimensional objects to get work and stuff. But True, and Then absolutely. they present... My writing teacher always told me to present the, the other side as if they're correct. So they present like a pretty good other side, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, maybe there's a good reason that sure, some yes. of these people are acting like sex pots. Yeah. In the B story, we have uh, Jack Donaghy um, attempting to uh, half mentor, half sabotage <laughs> the young woman who's ostensibly going to inherit the company that he now works for. His only chance His of now becoming daughter. a CEO. His boss is what, mm-hmm. 12-year-old daughter or uh, something, 14? Maybe? Granddaughter, actually. Oh, granddaughter? Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh uh, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, mm-hmm. and they become rivals. Yes, she's she's uninterested. He thinks she's uninterested in in. Uh, he wants to sway her into becoming uninterested in running the family company, and he realizes uh, slowly that she's doing the same thing to him. She's attempting to sabotage him. She's been researching him by reading his autobiography. It's um, very Game of Thrones. They're both telling each other, "You don't want." the see you don't want mm-hmm. the kingship yes and they're they're attempting to tempt each other with uh the idea of being a deep sea diver 
<laughs> the idea of being a marine biologist who, oh, who right. goes down like 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 Ballard. Um, he tries. To, he he recognizes that she's so good that he tries to steer her into a different career, so they're not yeah competitive. Yes, but she has chosen marine biology as her passion because she knows that it's truly Jack's passion. So they end up in this um in this sort of tete a tete. It's uh. Alec Baldwin in his 50s and Chloe Grace Moretz is probably younger than 20 <laughs> in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's great. He finds out that she's kind of using him or sort of manipulating him. Yes. By find, by seeing a picture of, what is it? Is it Jack with... with um, uh, Cousteau. Jacques, Jacques Cousteau. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll never forget what he said to me. Oh, I did forget it was so long ago. <laughs> Um, and by, by, yeah, by virtue of the Which was kind of silly. There's only one copy of this. There are only two copies of this image in it. One of them's in my uh, safe with a bunch of beanie babies that I thought would be worth more. And the other is in my book. Yeah. Which, which nowadays, like, well, the photo would have just been scanned from the book and would be, would exist would within everywhere. the web. <laughs> so we'd just be able to access it. Um, you yeah. wouldn't have to read the book, but in... That's another thing I'm sure we'll get into is that we're we're on the precipice of a lot of world-changing technology in this in this time time period, um, but it uh, hasn't fully. Also, a you know, big Supreme landed. Court case coming up, which I wanted to talk about on this show, but I was waiting until they actually decide on it. But you know, the Andy Warhol art case that actually maybe not the Supreme Court is deciding right now. Um, well, I'm sure we'll have more to say about I'm it. I'm an uninformed voter right after here. it happens. Well, it, the interesting thing, which I love this case and, and ones like it, is because it's not a clear liberal-conservative split. There's just different opinions. It's about, uh, okay, in, in short, a photographer photographed the artist Prince in the 90s for uh, the new uh, Rolling Stone or the New Yorker or something, and then they turned around and licensed the... They published a photograph. They basically owned the photograph only for publishing in their magazine. But what they did was they gave it to Andy Warhol, and Andy Warhol made it into his seminal Prince mm-hmm. line of print, prints. Prince, Prince. It's Prince, Prince. The Prince, Prince, Prince. What you're trying to say is that he printed the some prin- prints of Prince, prince, and, prince, he, prince and, and it was a Prince, Prince printing uh, press. Illegally. <laughs> He broke the law w- with his print. He broke the Prince protocol. Printing, printing the Prince, Prince was a breach of protocol. So anyway, the 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 photographer sued the magazine, saying, hmm. "Wait, you didn't have the right to give it to Andy Warhol." And Andy Warhol, and now they're suing the the Warhol Foundation, I guess, because wow, you know, they made all this money off this very famous Prince picture, uh, hmm. several of them, and um, so the idea is. Was Warhol's art ch- per, uh, changeative? Per, uh, was it uh, different enough? Did mm. he change the, the art? It, can you sample? Basically, it's can you sample wow. a song from the 90s and how much do you have to change it to make it your own? Or and this how, is, wow. How much is, you know, is is a sample piece of, uh, is an art that samples other art. Right. And this is central to what's happening now with, with AI art. Yeah. Can it be different enough if you're if you're asking an AI to be derivative of a specific artist? At what point does that have, does that artist have rights to say? Yeah. You're 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 it's, sucking my blood like a dementor. <laughs> I kind of think that mixed metaphor. 
my my opinion is kind of that all art is built upon other art um and so and once it's out there it's like shouting through a megaphone it's it's not yours anymore it's mm. in other people's ears you know like if um yeah. if you put art out there other people can and will use it for ma- mashups and Mm. Instagram posts and animations and I don't think that, yeah. that we're going to be able to own art as as it once was. On the other hand, you can't just take someone else's song and re-release it and make money off it without True. changing it at all. True. So y- there has to be some level of transformation unless mm. otherwise you're just selling somebody else's thing unless you change it enough that it's your thing remixing their thing. Yes. There is a line somewhere out there. Hard, where where it is is hard to determine. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway. Yeah, this is all relevant. So, feminism, stuff. work, uh, work culture. Mm-hmm. Future of work, the future of AI, and uh, can even in a futuristic AI world, can women ever cooperate and work together? <laughs> 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 Which does feel like a little bit of a dated question now. I'm hoping, but it's good to. Talk I don't know. Is so is the new work economy going to? be flatter in terms of access by traditionally marginalized marginalized groups mm-hmm. like will it be so, less gendered in general i mean since the pandemic a lot of people i've been freelancing for years but um i've had day jobs off and on but i've basically been a freelancer for 20 years and a lot of people are going to that now mm-hmm. or remote work work over work. zoom i mean hopefully that makes job more skill-based and less looks based like you shouldn't have to mm-hmm. look like a banker to work at the bank you know that used to be the thing like this is true white guys got hired at banks in the 50s because that's what bankers look like mm-hmm. and uh jen doesn't look like a an it person <laughs> jen but doesn't look like a typical it person and uh but she, yeah, she, she has her truly own, she's doesn't got her own gender issues the skills she, I mean, she's truly scamming her way in because she needs a job yeah. in IT crowd. She does offer something, which is that they have no social skills, and she offers like a buffer. Yeah. That's a value. Yeah. She offers a value to them, which is a buffer between the mm-hmm. the nerds and the upstairs execs. Also, the, the an issue in 30 Rock that's interesting is that uh, we're fo- it's focused a lot on this idea of like, can women work together and cooperate? Can, should women be sabotaging each other? But... At the heart of it, there's an employer-employee relationship where what the employer is really acting inappropriately with the employee. And it's, I would say that Liz is is uh, asking quite a lot from Abby by asking to control asking her, to control her, her outfits and asking her not to speak a certain way. Um, well, I don't know. You're bringing someone into a comedy writer's room, and as the Friends writer's lawsuit taught us, that place got has to be a sacred circle of filth and... Yeah, you mean have to be jokes. able to. But I mean, what she was doing was just distracting. It, it wasn't like helpful. Sure, yeah. Like she. No more distracting than any other. Of I mean, the she should have just been fired because she writers. wasn't contributing to the writing. Apparently, she was just sort of distracting None of her from jokes the could writing. Could have been cleared. Yeah. Well, they didn't show her actually. <laughs> she didn't do any hunkering down and <laughs> submitting a script. But um, I mean, it's kind of like. It's like what South Park does a lot of times. They make sometimes they make their argument lose in mm-hmm. the show, but they're still. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Thirty Rock is still in favor of women being themselves at work. Sure, they're yeah. not saying that everyone should act like 
a, a weird sex baby. What did she call herself? <laughs> a very sexy baby. A, a very sexy baby. They're not saying that everyone should act like a very sexy baby. Yeah. Even though they kind of make that side of the argument win uh, sure. rhetorically in the writing. Yeah. But the you know. But we do see a lot. We do see in a lot of Tina Fey's work uh, a particular obsession with a little bit of a, an obsession with people who are oversexualized or who oversexualize themselves in her eyes. She's she she talks a yeah. lot about sex workers and she talks a lot about her personal revulsion with sex workers or people who have too much sex or with sex itself. Just she's almost like like the first ace character on TV. Yeah, like I think. Except that she has to, she still forces Todd. herself to have a lot of sex throughout the series. She does, but she she's never very into it in, until maybe like Matt Damon, which she actually says a that bit, sex yeah. is enjoyable or something. <laughs> but she says it reluctantly, like the sex is actually not bad or something. <laughs> but she's almost like, I, I was going to say Todd and Bojack Horseman is the first mm. that I know of notable out asexual character. Yes. Um, in a sitcom, but yes. but Liz is pretty close to that. She's she is, except that is we give the her the opposite of yeah, you know Seinfeld and Friends and Cheers. Everything else that was happening before this was hypersexual. Was and the main characters would get laid a lot, and they would be very, they would be preternaturally successful in dating, even though yeah, George Costanza in real life would maybe have one girlfriend every two years, not. Yes. Two every week. True. And uh, they have Tracy say in 30 Rock, at one point he says, he accuses Liz of, of constantly dating and constantly being out on the town having sex with people. They go to a talking head of Tracy and he's, he names a bunch of Liz's partners and he's like, I've been married for more than 20 years. To me, Liz Lemon is a sex maniac. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> because she's slept with, you know, like six it. men over the course of the series or something. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike Seinfeld, where it's truly in the it's in the hundreds, I think there's a there's there's some. I remember articles well, written it, but even back in the nineties about like Jerry how much sex really dates like a new person every two episodes or something. Yeah, and it, I always thought I think that's I was in college at that time, and I think that kind of screwed me up because I was like, mm. really, these guys are getting new are getting a new girlfriend that they're having sex with every two weeks, and it <laughs> takes me six months just to meet and a new first date and you yeah. know i think my experience was fairly normal right not theirs but they were just depicting this over sexualized i think all sitcoms just you know even ted you know going back to ted danson and cheers mm-hmm. he was just nailing chicks <laughs> i mean he's yeah no to be fair he's ted danson he's and he was ted a bartender Dancer, to be fair you know we should you... do a cheers and then bored to death uh, together. <gasps> I love that. And uh, I mean, maybe we could even throw in a little good place uh, bonus button oh, yeah. for the patrons or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's Ted Danson, so double things. feature, triple feature. Mm. Just one more tangent on Ted Danson. When you see him briefly uh, pretend to be a bartender in The Good Place, when mm. Ted Danson turns around, he's behind a bar, he's wiping a glass. You will yeah. cry if you're not prepared to see him because you, it's it brings back all right the back joy. So much of the joy. It's great. Wow, that's cool. So anyway, what what should I uh what should I do for work? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the future of work? I'm I'm thinking you know. like you know, people are talking about um, you know, the four hour or not the four hour the four hour week. The four <laughs> day the four day work week uh mm-hmm. is tends to be almost as productive as five day because you get less tired and yeah um, people tend to fill their time and sort of faddle around if they're given more time to fill 
I mean, what I've been looking for my whole life, which is I think everybody should have, is not a 40 to 80 hour a week job, but a 20 to 30 hour a week job. Mm-hmm. So, and that doesn't mean I don't like to work. I like to work a lot, but I like to work on my own shit. Yes. My own podcasts and videos and apps mm-hmm. and stuff. I think the future is sort of, um, you know, as robots do more manual labor, the future is really like a maker economy like the, the humans worth mm-hmm. is is being creative i think mm-hmm. because robots and ai can do all the non-creative work pretty soon they'll be doing all the deliveries yeah i mean we're we're basically we're going to have to go to a minimal a minimum um guaranteed income sort of absolutely government yes. mm-hmm. in the future because so many jobs are going away i i really think the future is you know, you get them, you should, your taxes give you, you know, a minimum level of income to live and not die, to eat and basically be poor if you don't do anything else. But then your job on t- above that will just be to be some sort of maker of yeah ideas and, mm-hmm. I don't know, gadgets or when you reduce the When you reduce the pressure to paintings make a living with your work people turn towards more creative work especially towards people don't stop working for themselves and each other people Mm -hmm. always want to make things we had to grind out you know back when you know the industrial revolution everybody had to work because there was so much work to be done by human hands everybody had to work in factories because there was so much you know demand for stuff and and people had to work and that's where our model sort of evolved that everybody works yeah. for their food and rent. But really, your food and rent on the very basic level should be provided just by being a citizen. That's, that's of what Earth, society is. That's what a society being a is. Part of the society yeah. because we don't have to grind out in factories anymore because the robots and AI can do that. What an interesting and long view of history to be like, that, well, there was a lot of work to do back then. And now some of the work has been done. I've never really yeah. thought of it that way. That's that's pretty wild. But I mean, yeah, we still have this old-fashioned sort of attachment to people having to work all yes. the time for someone else. And like we were talking about earlier, th- there is that has plenty to do with of wealth. Like the wealth is there, mm-hmm. and the wealth moving around from hand to hand gives people fed. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason that everybody has to grind out day to day in a factory. When in fact, well, some people might not be creative. They might not make good makers. So, who cares? Like they don't. So they don't work much. Yeah, That's or they fine. might want to, or they might want to work, or gardening. Maybe they'll play but, sports you know, or, or, or race cars or whatever. You know, that's yeah, that's valuable. It's creative it's, in a different way. I'm really. saying that yeah, these like more fun. It's it's we should be entering an era where jobs are more what you want to do your mm-hmm. the follow your bliss kind of thing yeah now, we were promised as kids <laughs> yeah growing up but it's not it's not just following I've your bliss following it's, it's following heeding your, your calling is, though is fucking difficult because your bliss is not always just blissful i mean if i followed my bliss well, you then know you'd just be doing drugs yeah i'd be on acid by the pool the by the drinking pool. a pina colada it'd be great um but but if i heed my calling then i'd be writing and teaching children how to read <laughs> you know like that's that's what i'm have a talent for you know mm-hmm. that's not something that i was ever assigned to do um by the you know by the grand um, well 
It is what you do, right? Teaching children to read. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's something I do in my life. So, yeah. So, and if I had a universal basic income, it's like the time that I would spend. It's not that I would, I wouldn't spend any more time than I already do relaxing. You know, I rest when I need to rest. We watch TV when we need to yeah. recharge and hang out and sort of play, or have our brains relax and play with itself as it were, where the mind goes to tickle itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would be doing work if without the pressure of having to make money to buy food. There would be there would be a little you know there would be a different uh, motivation for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think, and people would yeah. still do a lot of stuff for each other. People would still people be baking pizza work. and giving that, it to that's other the, people. The rub of it is that you know conservatives are always saying that every, if you didn't have to work, everybody would just be lazy and on drugs but people want to work they want to do things yeah work being whatever maybe work is reading uh every book in the library or maybe work is mm-hmm. traveling and meeting people and spreading stories uh, you know, maybe work is instagramming but also mm. people would be working on nuclear physics for yeah you know, there's always I'm someone out there free. who's i'm not saying you no. you, d- you work and don't get paid i'm not a communist jeez <laughs> <laughs> I just say the a universal basic income, and then if you still want to be a nuclear sci- nuclear scientist, <laughs> I, um, you can still make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars more by being yeah. a nuclear scientist. And but the thing you is, there's always some there are company. there are freaks out there who will do anything for fun, not necessarily for free, but for fun. Yeah. They will be like, I'm going to learn a language because I just think it'll be interesting to do that you know that has value it's not something mm-hmm. that you have to necessarily be paid to do but and there's somebody out there who'll be like i want to do math problems because they're they're elegant to me i want to i want to do that there's somebody out there who wants to sing somebody who wants to play instruments and mm-hmm. some somebody who wants to teach other people how to plant food we seem so close yet so far because there are instances of universal basic income happening like tests and they're always very uh all the ones I've read about have been very positive, mm. giving some towns and counties, giving people an income. L.A. City is thinking about doing it, and that'd be great. Wow. Um, it doesn't mean you can't still get rich. It just means that there's a bottom, there's a, a net, there's a bottom level yeah. of poor you can get to. And unfortunately, and some people have a problem with that. I know. Because well, some people were really were raised to believe that you... That that's deserve yeah. mm-hmm. you deserve your punishment and it, it all goes back to how you were raised this, right I not mean, to sound too you know that's my family most of my family thinks i'm a deadbeat on heroin that's <laughs> that's what they decided when i quit my job and became a freelancer when in reality i quit my six-figure job to work harder mm-hmm. and make many less than six figures mm-hmm. but but Five. uh <laughs> I think if <laughs> I think if we were to look at the the future impact that you might now have on the the world of the future, the people's future happiness, like in, because yeah. of the time that you gave yourself by quitting that job, because the there's things you were able to create wasn't you know. going to do shit for anybody. It was just some dumb app yeah. place. Well, I mean, you can you you spend your money in the community, right? You vote with your dollar to a certain extent. Like people who have money can have a certain kind of power. Yeah. To buy local and support, you know, important things and et cetera. Um, but yeah, the work itself. So the people that who should be paid most, who who should be paid the most instead of CEOs, 
in, in, in a fair society, CEOs would be paid like fast food workers. Mm-hmm. And artists and filmmakers would make so much more. And people who wrote scripts that never got made would <laughs> still go yeah. paid. Mothers would get paid. People who raise mm-hmm. kids would get ki- paid. People who, you know, babysit would, would be paid way more than middle managers at a healthcare company. Yeah. People have been saying for years, oh, teachers should be paid so much more. But uh, yeah, teachers. But it's like, yeah, the people who, people who have to raise kids, which is all of us in a, you know in a society again. Um, we should be looking at that as more of an investment for the future. I represent <laughs> the estate of Hillary Clinton, and she wants to sue you <laughs> for taking her idea of it, ma- making it a village. Uh, a, a village. First of all, Hillary, it was her idea. It wasn't your idea. It was, as you said, an African proverb or something really vague. Where in Africa, Hillary? That's my question. Where in Africa? What country is that proverb from, Leave Hillary, Hillary? I don't alone. know. Leave Hillary alone. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that YouTube video. I wish Chris Crocker was here to say, leave Hillary alone. Yeah. What, what year was Chris Crocker? 2007, eight. It was right. It was one of the first things when I moved to L.A. I I remember going to a comedy show at El Cid on Sunset, and um, this comedian Benny Arthur, who I know, who's a super nice dude. One of the first comedy shows I ever saw at L.A. was Benny Arthur doing a parody of Chris Crocker, the Leave Britney Alone, and he was he had like a viral. He got like a million views or something on his, yeah. his viral parody video. That was in 2012. It was in March of 2012. That Is was that 2012? No, no, no. That, no, that can't be. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It had to be before that, right? Absolutely. No, you're, no September eight. of 2007. Excuse me. Seven. September yeah. of 2007. Exactly. Thank you. I was going to say that was That's five years that. after I moved here. No, no, not at all. It was the year I moved here. Yeah. So I don't know. So is that did Hillary Clinton uh, not win because women hate women? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think there is something to the idea that women don't support women because we are um, competitive uh, with our sexuality for male attention. Um, there's something interesting in that. I think that, um, but I think that it's, <laughs> this episode certainly doesn't go into like what the actual problem with that is, which is like the idea that the male attention needs to be fought for or like you know mm-hmm. um that that if jack is sexually interested in someone that that person might sperm do better is in their free, career ladies. that's all you need to know you don't need to compete for sperm <laughs> it's always there sperm uh, needs to can, compete with you itself can get dick. Uh, <laughs> sperm competition really uh do you know what the phrase do you know what sperm competition is <laughs> the, the <laughs> cutest like little race you ever saw <laughs> Sperm competition refers to the fact that, um, in theory, we as mammals, uh, we as primates specifically, uh, don't have to compete on a social level for sex because we let the sperm do the competition for us. Multiple um, balls can can ejaculate multiple rounds of semen into the same woman from several different people, right? And... and uh, the and sperm just, is the sperm is is what's doing the competition. Yeah, it fights it out among itself. The idea is that we're 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 obviously um, evolved to to be on the 
um, cooperative side sexually than on the competitive side. We're obviously evolved towards group sex, towards gangbangs, oh. and towards when someone is fertile, having uh, 40 people line up and bang her in a row. Um, there's the a reason that we're this is a popular genre. <laughs> of Orgies? Of, of movies, yeah. Group you know. sex? There's a reason that when now, we see other people having sex, we... I've heard that the penis you know. is shaped like a plunger to to suck out, to plunge... I've heard some of this, too, yes. Other, other dudes, semens. That is a um, hypothesis. I guess it hasn't been proven. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I don't know if we're moving towards a society that's just for you, sex for everyone, but I think maybe <laughs> pods of sort of uh, sexual... What would they call them? Uh, Sexual co- pods, people call their their little uh, sexual pod people polycules. Polycules, I think like a poly polycule sort of future might be. Uh, I mean, there's still yeah. your Liz Lemons who might just want one or no partners and not even be much interested in that. But True. I think in general, most people would be nat would naturally fit into like a three to five person polycule. You would think, yeah. If and and you know the. The cultural um, expectation of monogamy and the cultural experience of jealousy. All these things are related to the nuclear family and to the control of the nuclear family and to, I would, th- I would say, the political control of people generally. If you keep people yes. separated into smaller and smaller units, and the, the smallest unit. one you can get is two people and their kids. And their kids. And, then, and you can get smaller than that, but... I mean, you can isolate. Let the incel movement shows that you can actually isolate one person mm-hmm. units and make them extremely susceptible. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, to incels are extremely controllable, radicalized because yeah. they have no partners or, or kids. But you're right; the nuclear mm-hmm. nuclear family is the uh, the smallest group size you can yeah. have. Otherwise, and we by, call by people that want to have sex with a partner regularly. Yeah. Yeah, you have a nuclear family as the smallest, and what's outside is called the extended family, which is uh, just mm-hmm. a wild way to put it. You know, interesting. But yeah, I mean, there's always probably been a counterculture of um, swingers and key parties since the uh, days yeah. of Plato. Now, I think that this Thirty Rock episode would would lump that all of that stuff in with uh, with. Um, this negative sort of sort of overt sexuality like women don't really want to do that kind of thing that's all for the male gaze there is a sort of overdoing it to that argument that i find kind of anti-feminist which is like you know which which looks at women who are really overtly sexual like entertainers who are really outlandish and show a lot of their bodies and have a lot of sex and sing about sex this idea that like well she's clearly like no one no one like really <laughs> would act like that she's doing that so that men look at her and 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 there's just something to that that's a, there's a little bit of an uninterrogated like how do you feel about yourself and what are you what do you think about men and what like what are you oh, because what you're saying is that there is no like women don't really feel sexually that strongly and if they do they're faking it and there's uh there's something there that's a little troublesome because that's that's certainly not true for every woman just because someone is acting overtly sexual and they're faking it basically the same for women and men in the sense that have a sexuality and they're attracted to certain people but 
bringing it up constantly is not productive to a work environment. Well, this is, yes, at work. This is Like, true. she was yeah. being almost a sexual harasser, the, uh, Chris Amaliotti's character. Totally. Because walking around and saying, I'm not wearing any underwear when people yes. are trying to work, that's kind of these days absolutely. sexual harassment. Yeah. Or not, it's not literally sexual harassment, but it's yes. definitely, you're trying to get a sexual reaction out of a coworker when they're trying to work yeah. is not... <laughs> it's not it's not okay at all it's, it's, that's over the line i yes. thought her character was over the line but th- totally. they did it that to be you know cartoonish and the, yeah an extreme point of view but she should be able to be herself if she's not walking around and literally saying yeah i think and i, I think that's another thing that's changed that's kind of changed i mean obviously that was recognized as being like outrageous and outlandish but but Times have changed in the 10, 12 <laughs> years, um, 11 years, yeah. that uh, now that would definitely be seen as sexual harassment and it would be okay to just openly say that back, even back then, there was a little bit of like, well, no, it's not like any of these men would report her. All of the men are very excited about this, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is, which is something that's, that's, but that's gone she would have been reported out of fashion by someone. At some for point, the, for that kind of in real life, even yes. even in a writing room, like in a writing room, you you write jokes. You don't literally say, "I yeah, I'm not wearing underwear <laughs> to give you a boner right now." You know, it's that, not a joke. Yeah, that's that's what she was saying wasn't joking. But anyway, um, I think you, when you say is is it different, it's very different now because of the pandemic in a lot of ways. People are not mm-hmm. working with as many coworkers as much, so I think hmm. maybe I don't know. It, it, w- remote work might take away some of that sort of sexual hmm. tension at work, you know, yeah. because you're just in a different place. Oh, that's interesting. On, on the other yeah. hand, I mean, I don't know. When I started working at a place with. Uh, other people again after the pandemic was over i was like oh i want to fuck everybody this is great because <laughs> i hadn't seen anybody uh besides my, you my lovely partner uh for you know a year and a half and then i was like oh my god everybody's so hot but um i mean yeah, maybe this definitely this, uh, this move towards remote work yes i i think tragedies like the pandemic and even i, I want to make it an analogy to the the Ukraine war, which is a, an extreme tragedy as well, but they accelerate sometimes progress of things that need to happen, such as the mm. pandemic accelerated the progress of remote work. being able to remotely work with a team of people that are all over the, the globe, which is just kind of something that yeah probably should happen because we're a global world. And the Ukraine war mm. is forcing the U.S. and all of Europe to get serious about renewable energy, mm. fucking go solar and wind like crazy because now it's becoming very clear that the people that own the fossil fuels that we're all hooked on are yeah. not good people. And the, so the quicker we can get off of them. Of course, Jimmy Carter, uh, American president <laughs> in the 70s, put solar panels on the White House, but Ronald Reagan, evil demon from hell who <laughs> re- who reigned in America in the 80s, took those solar panels down 
A man with six letters in each of his three names. Six, 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 Ronald Reagan. Signaled to the world that we are going to stay dependent on oil because Mm -hmm. he was bought and paid by General Electric. Anyway, what I'm saying is um, good progress can come from tragedy and the progress towards remotely working but also becoming Mm -hmm. more tightly connected through technology might be this sort of singularity in the arena of uh, labor that we needed. And maybe we can let go of some of the the awkward sexual harassment that happens. Yeah. When you're in too close quarters with people and you're and you're and you're competing for resources. There should be less sexual harassment if people are more remotely intertwined by technology Mm -hmm. and less by proximity. Sure. And there'd be less I believe there'd be less sexual harassment if people were not desperate to make a living. (laughs) That's true. Also, if people weren't desperate to get laid, everybody would be, there'd be a lot less harassment because people would just be less desperate. Mm -hmm. So maybe the the fact that you can't like, everybody's just going to be dating online. (laughs) And I I think everyone is. We're to the point where every single person and even a lot of (laughs) coupled people are just dating online. You don't date at work anymore. You don't really date friend groups. Maybe you dated, you know, from classes but if you're out of college or out of school your only dating option is technology not work so mm. maybe that takes some of the sexual harassment out of work because we're i think so more separated and that's been a that's been a change for a long time women were expected to go to college or to a job to find a husband <laughs> it was like you're supposed to meet someone at work yeah and well, a lot of i they think called it an mrs degree when i was <laughs> yes in college Included in that was like, it's okay if he's your professor. (laughs) MRSA, I think is what it meant. And yeah, so we're we're coming out of that. I think there's been this idea, this very like overly romantic idea of like, well, I can't rule out anyone from my job. What if they're my true love? Like, what if I, what if, what if like someone here is the one? I can't, I can't like just make these people off limits. I can't have any boundaries because what if my true love is here? And that is Jim and Pam's fault. That's my argument. Well, okay. <laughs> that existed before Jim and Pam, but um, yeah, there is this idea. All that, right, Tim and Don, you're right. I mean, because like practically for a lot of, you know, for the baby boomers mm-hmm. generation, that is how you had to meet people to fuck. You yeah, know? totally. Everybody wants to meet people who want to fuck them back, <laughs> you know, consensually uh, agreeable sexual situations yeah and it's you have a good chance of those. meeting people who are somewhat in your vibe if you're somewhat in the same job or you network through people who are in the same job or you meet at the company picnic it's true but there was a lot of like sexuality suffused through uh, through those interactions that maybe now we can kind of come away from since we can find each other in other ways so it's all for the best is what we're saying um what we're saying is everything is going to be everything. okay. No, that's exactly the opposite of what we're saying. It's not going to be okay. This episode is sponsored by Everything's <sighs> Going to Be Okay. Just relax. Close your eyes. We're not doing the ad for Everything's Going to Be Okay because it's not. Okay, this is right, the BDFM, everyone. I'm D. I'm B. And the FM stands for Fortunate Master. 
heads. We, uh, yeah, that's it. We talked about the IT crowd. We talked about 30 Rock. And listen to our other episodes if you want to hear us talk about other shows. We've talked about The oh, Office, Futurama, BoJack, Horseman, South Park. We do in the shadows, a couple other things. Have we done BoJack? We haven't done BoJack. Oh, yeah, we have. Thank you for listening. You can find us at BDFM Pod on most things. On uh, We are on iTunes, the podcast, under BDFM. And you can find us at garage.tv that's g-r-a-g-e dot tv slash b-d-f-m for the podcast and then we also are posting our watch-alongs on patreon we're also if you become a member of garage tv which is our hosting company Mm -hmm. um our production company i guess one would say then you uh can watch all the patreons you can watch all the watch-alongs for free so that's just three bucks a month on garage.tv or mm-hmm. through the Garage TV app. And you'll on have I- iOS. access to all kinds of other crazy TV stuff that's cool. Yep. Once again, we're brought to you by Space Captain Pinball. Go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and search for Space Captain Pinball to download the free game where you pinball around space like an idiot while collecting elements of the universe. You know pinball, but in space. Check it out at garage.tv slash SCP. That's G-R-A-G-E dot TV slash SCP. Okay, this has been an episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Final thoughts. Have fun. Have fun. Keep working on what you want to work on. BDFM.